Is it a, a snifter? Like, a snifter of uh, cognac? Can you do the same I, thing with cognac? Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. Well, cognac is brandy, but it's right. That's from, why I'm asking. Yeah, from, from the, the cognac, cognac region. region there. Isn't that near Germany, over by uh, the border? You know how many miles from Germany it is? How many miles? Nine. <laughs> He saw the open door and he and he walked in. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. to the great dive podcast everybody you're here with uh the jc partying guru old james Mott, and my counterpoint over along the way old, old bordeaux region brando <laughs> and we had a fun little talk last week about our good buddy jacques cousteau and another one of his wonderful adventures. This time it was from the Red Sea, Le Mer de Rouge. And his academian pal who got lost in his Calcarisian. <laughs> <laughs> Calcarisian dreams of more and more, deeper and deeper. While being stalked by sharks. And I have another fun story for us because we wanted to get back to some fun stuff about diving alone about being stalked by sharks and pounded against the rocks by ocean waves what else could go wrong what do you think nothing that's about it it's a story by harry krieg do we know harry krieg at all is he is he just never met the guy okay he is is he a regular contributor no, I think this was just a write-in story to Skin Diver Magazine back in the day. This is from the mid-90s. Takes place out in the good old Galapagos Islands. An- another place that's been hot in the news as of lately with the falling of Darwin's Arch. I, I did hear talk of the falling, uh, fallen arches of Darwin. He was flat-footed after that. Plantar uh, fasciitis gets, gets all of us eventually, doesn't it? It does. It'll hit you out of nowhere. And that you- was uh, in Darwin's original theory of evolution. That's, <laughs> that's the end where man goes back to the ground and then slithers, slithers back into the sea. Uh, His plantar fasciitis eventually gets the best of him. And, but yeah, the good old... Uh, Darwin's Arch, now the Pillars of Evolution. Lovely sight. And uh, I mean, that, is, that is a place where you are literally 
in the middle of goddamn nowhere. (laughs) Literally. It's a rock sticking up out of nothing but blue water and blue horizon 360 degrees around you. Well, isn't really the planet Earth just a rock in the middle of nowhere spinning through space? Well... Yeah, but there you're on a rock in the middle of nowhere, on a rock in the middle of nowhere. Yo, dog, I heard you like being on a rock in the middle of nowhere. So I put you on a rock in the middle of nowhere with a rock in the middle of nowhere. So you could be on a rock in the middle of nowhere while you rock in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's like that story. There's a there's a big rock that's in this pond that's in the middle of an island on a little lake that is on Isle Royal <laughs> up in Lake Superior, <laughs> right? So it's like this is like that's the biggest rock in a lake that's on a lake in the biggest lake on uh, the biggest island that's in the biggest Lake Superior. You know, and the story goes something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you had me at rock. <laughs> You had me at, let's move along. Let's move along. We don't have all day. It's you and these damn tangents of yours. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you know what the best regulator on the market is? Um, this is uh, this may is... or may not have something to do with our latest sponsorship. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I have any idea what our... This, might, this may or may not be a commercial right uh, now. <laughs> Well, describe your criteria for for saying best. I mean, is it is it the best breathing? Is it the most reliable? Is it the easiest to work on? Is it the regulator that is most popular? I don't know. What do you what do you mean by best? Is it the one that looks the best? That is most aesthetically pleasing to the human eye? What? All wrong answers, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> but I like the way which, you're thinking. See, you're, wh- hey. thinking the way, <laughs> which, uh, you're thinking the way somebody should actually think when it comes to what is our best regulator, when, which yeah. is rarely what you get when you look at a, the best regulator reviews. Because they can say, this is the best regulator. You know, it's just like um, any advertising. They come out and say, uh, Tide detergent cleans more, and they leave it there. Or... This is the new and improved. It works better, but they don't tell you better than what? Better, better than right. a fucking stick Dove in the eye. Soap, one hundred percent pure. Pure what? <laughs> <laughs> Human lard. Yeah. What was that movie where they were? So, which regulator is best and why? Coming from the pages of Skin Diver magazine back in nineteen ninety five. That they was just yesterday little, for me, <laughs> back in 1995. 95. They used to have these little public service announcements. Yeah. Not like the good old G.I. Joe knowing is half the battle. These were little, <laughs> little print ads that they would have in the magazine for responsible diver behavior. The more you know. The more you know. And knowing is half the battle. The best regulator on the market... Is common sense. God damn right it is. It's hard to find, though. You know, one of the ways you and I have taught for years is to always plan the dive with worst-case scenarios. Right. What do you want? What do you need at the worst possible time, worst-case scenario? Yeah, that's how, how we, like, 
organize what our dive plan is going to be, the amount of gas we need to have, what we're going to do, assuming when we get all the way to the, the worst place we could be, that's where we're going to, if we're going to have a problem, we, we start off assuming that's where it's going to take place. Right. We never get in the water going, nothing could go wrong today. It's, it's sunny. It'll only happen at the beginning of the dive. So we don't, once we get past the halfway point, we're golden. If you're going to have a regulator failure, it's going to happen on the boat before you get in the water. That's why you have the dive master check your tank before you jump in. There you go. And I liked how Cousteau was able to get in the water last week with our scientist buddy, our rosy-cheeked scientist buddy, and have this intuition that, Something might go wrong on the dive and was able to give the look to Didi underwater like, hey, he's you can tell he's not paying any attention to what's going on. We got to keep an extra special eye on him. like getting in the water and having that sixth sense of of being able to watch the unwatched, having awareness of the unaware because it could snowball into affecting you at some point, too. Well, of course, but I don't know if that was a sixth sense so much as it was common sense. Uh, we got a newbie here. We're going deep. He's going to get narked. Let's keep an eye that's on right. him. That's right. That's why Cousteau was using the best regulator on the market. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> common sense. But I guess that's the difference with, you know, veteran divers versus newer divers is that starting the dive with an expectation that the worst could always happen really at any time yes well that that comes sometimes from uh just being smart and and being able to imagine different scenarios but it usually comes also with experience the more you dive ah, the, the great more, teacher mm-hmm. the maestro don't do don't do that again <laughs> Yes, it's uh, it's one of those those teachers that use the the Thorndike laws of learning quite well. Yeah, like like a nun with a ruler across your <laughs> knuckles. <laughs> I had traveled to the Galapagos Islands on a liveaboard with thirteen other divers in search of Senor Big. Senor Big, not Senor Grande. Not saying your you would think, you would think if you're use a little Spanish, you'd use use all of it. <laughs> saying your big, well, it does add when you can mix your lingo, your your languages, that that proves you're advanced. That's it's hard to do. Schooling hammerhead sharks and possibly whale sharks. That's what he means by senor big. The senor big. I still would call him Senor Grande. I would have called him, uh, you know, Monsieur Mucho. Mucho? <laughs> you would have mixed that's, the French. That's kind of yes. mixing, mixing the languages a little well, bit, isn't it? It's a little bit of, that's like Mr. Much, and not, not so much Mr. Big. Grande's big. Gordo is like fat big. Well, Harry says that we were not disappointed. The diving was spectacular. Unfortunately, I returned home with vivid memories of a near tragedy that overshadowed the fantastic underwater encounters. 
Sometimes that does a, happen, right? <laughs> well, see, that, again, I, was, I was saying sometimes that does happen. The overshadowing, the the near catastrophe, will overshadow such a great experience. They don't put that on the flyer for the for Mm-mm. the trip. <laughs> near death experience might take away some of the splendor and grandeur of that that whale right. shark senior big moment. It'll take away a little bit of it. Five. It says five star accommodations, world class diving, three meals a day, unlimited nitrox. Nothing about the near death tragedy. No, it doesn't attract the uh, the average consumer. Now you might think that this is a new guy. Just you know, sign up for the trip. And he says, "No, I'm a very experienced diver." No stranger to difficult conditions, including rough seas and strong currents. However, I don't always dive with a buddy. Okay. They're a hindrance. They get on my nerves. Is that what he's going to say? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm too good that this, this buddy might just be dragging me down. Harry says, as I entered the water for the second dive, I marveled that the diving conditions were not more difficult. There are numerous reports of divers being swept out to sea here owing to treacherous currents. And that is one of the things about that area in the Galapagos where you've got some big, strong water that moves. Literally, like, (laughs) moves mountains. (laughs) You have a whole ocean of water that over centuries has moved entire continents right correct so the one thing about currents that i always try to share with my students is they don't get tired they don't you're not going to beat them they will beat you down every time you will not beat them you have to you have to embrace them yes you have to be one with the water that's right you got to be smarter than nature and not let yourself get to the point where you know the the ocean is like a ufc prize fighter on top (laughs) of you in a ground and pound just elbowing you in the face into oblivion bad place to get yourself into well yeah and you didn't even get a punch in trust me you got nothing it's a tough one i descended to about 60 feet and scanned the sea around me he says The ever-present hammerheads were silhouetted against the dark blue background. But about 50 feet away, I saw the tail of an enormous whale shark. I could not believe my luck. These whale sharks are just uh, drawing people in, left and right. Yeah, they are. Did you see that that story? I know you did, because I saw you, you posted on it. But that story about the whales, the two different divers going where they have the whale shark experience. Yes, absolutely. Yes. That was the one that Simon Pridmore posted exactly. on his page for uh, X-Ray Magazine. Exactly. You know, looking at the two situations, that was a great little uh, read. Like somebody that, end of the dive, whale shark comes by. You know, do you, do you have that ability to talk to yourself and tell yourself... This is unlucky timing. Just be thankful that you got to see it. Right. Or, oh, no. Oh, no. It's here. I'm going. No cost too high. (laughs) Exactly. No picture 
it didn't happen, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they suck you in and you just keep diving deeper and deeper. Less you have that discipline to say no thanks. We're good. I'll snorkel. Right, and, and that's a hard one to to get because it takes it takes a lot of practice. It takes the right teacher to mm-hmm. share that with you of learning yourself and learning how to discipline yourself and making the right choice, which, which that was the title of that article out of X-Ray Magazine. You know, do you have the ability to make the right choice when something like that happens? Knowing that, ah, you can always come back. Mm-hmm. If you have, and this is something that we talk about a lot, the big picture mentality, the the lifelong master's journey in mind when you're diving of, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm diving for a lifetime, not just this one dive to see the whale shark, and I'm going to put myself and everybody else in danger just so that I can get as close as possible mm-hmm. on this one chance because here's my chance versus I've got a lifetime of diving, and, and if, if things work out right, the whale shark will come to me at one point. Right, I'll get to see the whale shark again. Whereas, I went all the way to the Galapagos years ago uh-huh. in the, the early 2000s. I remember. That's the, one, that's the one thing I was hoping for that we never got to come across was the whale shark. Senior big, no senior big, eh? No senior big. Lots of hammerheads, lot, lots of everything else, just no whale sharks. And mm. he describes beautifully, you know, that, that silhouetted look of the wall of hammerheads you know yeah by the the dark blue background i mean it's that's a hell of an amazing sight in and of itself but again you've got to remember that you're a human being underwater that no matter how wonderful what you're looking at is you still have to exit the water decompressed right you know safely slowly i mean whether you're doing a a decompression dive or a no decompression limit dive, you still have to come to the surface and decompress yourself. Exactly, yeah. You're and that takes it. time and it takes gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you go down, you have to make it back. That's part of the, uh, you know, the, the gas calculating, the decompression limit calculating, et cetera, et cetera, your, your tables. Um, if you're only... If you're so short-sighted and all you can see is I have to get the picture or I have to see this close, you might have issues. You might run into problems. Getting all of the sights and all the pictures that you wanted underwater, but then realizing, oh, shit, I got to scramble my way to the surface and potentially kill yourself. Kill yourself at worst or just get bent or just get an embolism. Well, I Go tell you fast. what, getting getting bent just off of Darwin's arch in the Galapagos. That's killing yourself almost, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean by being yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yes. I mean, it's it's not like you're, uh, you know, the boat can take a 20-minute ride to shore and there's a recon- you know recompression chamber 20 minutes away, mm-hmm. you know, where you can have an ambulance waiting for you to shoot you over. That's a completely different game. And that's where having the ability to, to think beyond what your computer screen is telling you for the amount of gas that you have, the amount of remaining no decompression limit you have, right? That's where thinking through decompression and having a, a better strategy comes into play of, well, this computer display is just a generalization for every diver in the world on every <laughs> dive site in the world. This one's a little bit different. Right. He says, 
I quickly swam over to the animal and briefly held onto the dorsal fin while rubbing the back of this gentle creature and then watched it disappear into the depths. I returned to the pinnacle and watched the hammerheads swim above and around me for about 20 minutes. I was so excited I couldn't remain stationary. I was curious and eager to explore the other side of the pinnacle. The water was cooler on the backside, and there were few hammerheads. I proceeded farther around the pinnacle and passed a solitary white-tipped shark on patrol. That's one of the cool things of those diving those pinnacles out there in the Pacific mm-hmm. is you've got a little bit of everything, right? You've got the high-flow, high-strong current action side where something wild and big and monumental is likely to happen and then you've got that whole backside of the pinnacle is a little more protected the currents aren't as strong mm-hmm. but you got a whole different environment you know yeah. environment yeah. in life over there right a whole different movie going on there yeah a whole different movie i like that he says almost immediately after that a single galapagos shark approached and slowly passed me from the first glimpse of this shark i had a very eerie and uncomfortable feeling It keenly watched my every move. Then it turned and made another pass, closing the distance between us. I moved away from the shark toward the pinnacle. Unaware, I had ascended into shallow water, like 20 feet. The shark turned and made a third pass within 10 feet of me. Then it seemed to lose interest and swam away. You know, one of the things I remember from being over there was... uh, it's a hell of a sight to see all those schooling hammerheads. And people always, you know, when you talk about that or show pictures of it, you know, the first thing, like, somebody that's unaware gets is like, oh, my God, that many sharks? Yeah. Uh, uh, isn't it? Isn't it scary, all those sharks? And I would say it's, I think it's so overwhelming, all those sharks, especially the first time you see that, that the last thing you're thinking of is getting eaten. Well, <laughs> but the, but seeing one hammerhead like come out of nowhere yeah. is way more spooky and eerie than seeing a wall of, of hundreds of them. Yeah. But when you're just cruising along and then then up from the depths comes one big hammerhead. That's more shocking and frightening. He, yeah, he's the lone king. He's the king hammerhead who's going to he just does what he wants. The rest of them are just going with the flow. You're looking at him. That one comes up. He's a little hungry. He's the boss. He does not go with the flow. He's a, he's a, you know he's his own shark. So you should maybe it's have like, a, a little bit of respect. Is the word? <laughs> it's like being on the highway, you know, in your little Toyota Corolla, and the, the whole biker gang of Hell's Angels comes cruising down the highway. Mm-hmm. And you're there in your nerdy little white mid-sized sedan. Those bikers go rolling by. It might be a frightening sight for a few seconds, but they're they're in their groove. They're doing their thing. They're just going to go right on by you. But, you know, when you get thirsty and you walk into the little tavern <laughs> and uh, you sit down at the corner stool at the bar and, and you don't realize it's snakes. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> And he comes, he comes walking out of the, 
out of the john. That's bulldogs said seat there, son. You better get the hell out of there. Never take bulldog seat. <laughs> bulldog and snake. They're, they're right, a team. That, that is gonna be way more of a frightening, eerie experience. Yeah. Suddenly I broke the surface and felt the surge begin to pull me toward the shallows. So here's the issue, right? Because he basically corked from 60 feet Mm -hmm. because he lost awareness of where he was in the water, even though he's an experienced diver, as he let us know earlier on in the story here. But, But seeing the lone shark swim by that was curious and swam close to him allowed him to just completely lose his depth from 60 feet corked up to 20 and then before he realizes it he's at the surface getting you know pushed pushed into the shallow water right well it was a you know our rules we have certain rules and that's probably the most important one is the uh, control of your buoyancy at all times always aware right exactly yeah always aware of where you're at i mean that's one of the key things of being a diver is you have to be aware of your buoyancy at all times. Mm-hmm. It's not like going out into the woods and walking around and seeing a bear. Right. And a bear, a bear gets a little too close and swarms in within 10 feet of you and he spooks you a little bit because you don't just you know float up the side of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that is a legit issue underwater diving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that, then that's one of the reasons we teach the way we teach is you want that buoyancy control to be second nature. It, it, it happens without you working at it. So when you do have to take your your focus and channel it on something else, your buoyancy still stays intact. Your buoyancy control, I should say. That's the idea. That's what you're aiming to, to get to. That's the point you're, you're trying to be at. And it keeps it keeps this stuff from happening. I mean, how do you get injured scuba diving? You popped this. You have a rapid decompression incident. That's how you get injured scuba diving. Period. Right, and it. But you don't have that rapid decompression issue because you struggled to get the air out of your inflator button. You know, at that <laughs> right. one second. Right. right. It's all you, the stuff that led up to you not being able to get your inflator up in time to let the air out. Well, that led to the issue of the inflator not letting the air out when you wanted to click the button because you're trying to swim back down, so the, <laughs> none of the gas is even in that spot anyway, right? It's all that other stuff. Right. Well, I think it was the total awareness gone, the awareness of that happening. Your, your gas and your BCD is expanding, dry suit gas expanding, and you're going up, and you're not arresting that right because your attention has been stolen by the shark that swam by shark yeah and it's it's easy to do in a dive like that to lose your focus on on your own position in the water right i i I would say it's probably one of the number one contributing factors to every single incident that you read about where something like this occurs it's the inability to focus on the big picture and getting wrapped up in the moment that's what stole your awareness which is why everything else happened exactly exactly it's the uh it's the beginning beginning of the snowball i raised my head and attempted to deflate my bc 
right? There you go. So from 60 feet all the way up to <laughs> there's the surface. Now he's going, oh, shit, I need to dump some air out. He says, as I looked up, I was buried by a huge wave hurled into a small opening in the rocks and pinned against a large exposed boulder. The events over the next several minutes occurred rapidly. I had difficulty comprehending what was happening, but soon realized I was in a struggle for my life. I was swept back near the opening as the water receded, but before I could swim to open water, another wave crashed over my head. I lost my regulator and was engulfed in white foam. Struck again and again by waves, I was forced against the rocks. Gasping for breath, I groped for my regulator. I lost my mask and weight belt. I finally recovered my regulator and held it in my mouth with one hand. My position was treacherous and my options limited. Bobbing around in the surf, I could no longer dive down and out of the situation. I was tossed about in an endless series of waves, nearly exhausted, trying to avoid crashing into rocks or being swept under the waves. I realized if I did not act soon, I could die. I feared I would either smash my head on the rocks and drown while unconscious or be slashed by the sharp barnacles and bleed to death. <laughs> Good, excellent narrating of that story. Excellent reading, James. I, I'm white knuckling, just hold, <laughs> holding this paper, and I got it's all crumpled up. I'm holding on so tight. I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm, it's like I'm there. It's like I'm there. You know, I was just talking to a buddy the other day. Yeah. Who went out and was learning how to surf. But, uh, you know, they, they were learning on these little two- and three-foot waves. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, we got up and, you know, surfed a bit. And the next day, they go over to this other area where these waves are coming in, like eight, ten-footers. Uh-huh. He's like, I really want to try that. <laughs> he's, he's been surfing one day. Exactly. Well, he seems to have it mastered. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got up on the three-footer. What's the worst that could happen? Even after the instructor told him, no, that, don't do that. <laughs> what are you thinking? So, I mean, just little waves are powerful enough to make it difficult. Mm -hmm. To make it difficult walking into the water if you're doing a beach entry with three-foot waves, knowing that you're making a beach entry, it's going to kick your ass a bit. Well, it gets you with the let rocks. Alone being take, yeah, yeah, let alone being taken off, being you know taken by surprise. Right. Yeah, trying to walk through those rocks with the gear on your back, holding your fins, and, you know, three feet of water is the worst because it's just high enough when that wave hits you at the knees. Oh yeah, and Ankle your top breakers. yeah, your top heavy. It hits you at the knees, and your feet are already hitting. You can't see the rocks, so your feet are already hitting the the rocks, and the ankles are twisting all different directions, and uh, really easy to lose your balance. Harry says, "I quickly gathered my thoughts and gained control of my panic. There was only one way out." I clung to the nearest rock and pulled myself farther into the passage toward the shore. 
I continued to work my way toward land, eventually finding a protected area. I removed my gear and sprawled between the rocks for several minutes to catch my breath. I offered a prayer of thanks (laughs) for surviving this ordeal. I was lucky to be alive. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus! Is that what... James, if this happened to you or I... Senor! Senor. Why are you on the rocks? (laughs) Please, call. A shark came by. There was a shark. Thank God. Thank you, God, for saving me. For slamming me into this little corner. Waking me up. When I regained my strength... I climbed up the mass of volcanic rocks until I reached the top of the pinnacle. I could see the boat and began to wave, but no one responded. Why would anyone expect to find a diver on land? Exactly. (laughs) You know, know, Pedro's the dive master. He's like, check this son of a bitch out. Are you shitting me right now? Oh, hey, look at this idiot on the rocks. <laughs> oh, hey. Eventually, he says, I was sighted and both dinghies approached to survey the situation. There was no easy access for landing and the surf was rough at all entry points. <laughs> you know, the, the dinghy drivers are like, uh, uh, yeah. how, 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 how are we going to... Do this. Looks like you gonna die. <laughs> this gringo gonna die. <laughs> this gringo not coming home. Yeah. So how would you approach that? What do you think, James? I mean, you got the answer of what they did. Obviously, I don't know. Well, I'd be throwing know, them a like, rope or something and try to tow them out with the motor. In all my days, <laughs> just <laughs> captain, captain. Just when you said you've seen it all, <laughs> here we go. In all my days. Driving the dinghy. I thought I've seen it all. You know, the assumption, uh, because, you know, being out to Darwin, all you see is waves crashing into a rock and spurting foam and water 20 feet into the air from every possible angle Mm -hmm. is all you see out there. Because it's just you're in the middle of the sea where the, the current's... You know, essentially hitting from all directions. Right. He says, however, there was one wider channel midway around the pinnacle. One dinghy entered and a dive master swam over to the ledge. I retrieved my gear and hiked over to him. He secured my gear with a rope and tossed it into the water near the dinghy. He waited for a wave to pass and instructed me to jump into the water and swim over to the dinghy. Now, that's a fast-thinking yeah. dive master. I can't believe it's the only time shit like that has happened, where somebody's been swept away and ended up on the rocks and one of these pinnacles jutting out from the ocean surface. Yeah, probably not the only time. Hopefully right. it's not a regular occurrence. I don't know. And because they're out at Darwin, do you think they, they you know, secretly have <laughs> an official Darwin award? They have <laughs> like, their oh, own Darwin This contest. son of a bitch. Old Harry's getting the, Dar- the real Darwin award. Exactly. 
He says, soon we were back on the boat, and as I recounted my horrendous experience, the other divers listened in amazement. Miraculously, I suffered no physical injuries other than minor cuts and bruises, but my legs were so sore that I had trouble walking for the next few days. Needless to say, go ahead, what was that? I just said good. I I mean, I shouldn't say good. (laughs) Like, you deserve it, you (laughs) son of a bitch. But, well, I mean, if that's all, all that happened to you after that, you're doing all right. Yeah, lucky guy. I mean, a, a lot of ways this could have ended yeah. much, much worse, you know, and, and worse for everybody on that boat, mm-hmm. right? There they are in the middle of their Galapagos trip. It's a day boat ride even back to the island where the airport is. Yeah. Yeah. Their opportunity for disaster is is high there. He says, needless to say, I dived more conservatively for the remainder of the trip, always with a buddy near the main group of divers. My brush with disaster taught me a valuable lesson about overconfidence and complacency. I will not take diving for granted anymore. I will respect the sea and be more aware of my surroundings and conditions. I mean, so he's got like eight lessons that he's saying that he just learned here, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, dive more conservatively. Well, okay. <clears throat> how about just dive and be aware at all times? <laughs> you know, and, and, and now he's going to have a buddy near me. I don't think the lack of a buddy was his issue. Because right. if he drug a buddy into that situation, it could have made the situation a lot worse, not better. Right, because yeah. now you got two divers getting smashed up, and then when you take away your awareness of being able to get out of the water, and it has to go on to saving somebody else, that actually could hinder be the thing that kept mm-hmm. you from actually saving yourself. Mm-hmm. Right, it was almost lucky that he was by himself in that situation. Yeah, I have a feeling. I mean, the things that he's going to pick out are the. The what's the word? I guess the superficial. Very good. The very yeah. It, the appearance of of things that you should fix, while the underlying root cause of why he ended up where he did had to do with the fundamental uh, manner in which he dives. Yeah. Well, th- thank you. Right. It's not mm-hmm. the fact that uh, he took. You know, uh, it's not the fact that he wasn't aware of his uh surroundings and his conditions per se it's the second half of that is more important right the overconfidence and the complacency the taking the area for granted not being aware it's not necessarily the i didn't have a dive buddy with me right and i and i should have uh did my safety stop it's Mm -hmm. letting yourself get distracted to the point that you get carried by the environment into a bad situation that's going to be very difficult to get out of because of your loss of awareness in a global perspective. Right. Yes, I'd agree. That um, that can be the, the door opening for any number of incidents, you know, when you lose the awareness of where you are in the water. Yeah, we've done numerous stories of it in the past. Mm-hmm. Right, losing awareness of where you are in the water and finding yourself 
in a cave way far from the opening mm-hmm. and everything's black and you don't know how to get out. Uh, swimming under a sheet of ice because you weren't paying attention and now you have no way to get to the surface. Right? We, we, we've done right. countless stories over the last couple of years of situations where it's not necessarily that there was ice in the water. It's what happened leading up to mm-hmm. you being trapped under the ice. Harry says the group leader summed it up this way. You're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He says nature can be very unforgiving. If you make a mistake while diving, the sea will chew you up and spit you out. Certainly can. Yeah. He says poor judgment and errors nearly cost me my life. Yeah, the sea does not get tired. It doesn't get uh, you know CO2 retention that exhausts and, and makes it think worse, right? It's just it's just there. It's not that the sea's a bitch. It's just the sea's the sea. The sea, sea kind of is a bitch, though. The seas can be angry, my friend. No, 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 no. The <laughs> sea can treat you. The sea can treat you like a little bitch. There, that's right. But the sea yes. is just being yes. the sea. It's the sea is being the sea. You're right. It can be angry seas, though. I will tell you that much, my friend. The seas were angry that day. <laughs> uh, old Harry closes out by saying, as the boat slowly passed Darwin Arch on our return journey, I located the site of my accident. I was shaken by the size of the waves and the powerful surf. A cold shiver runs up my spine whenever I think about it. It is a dive and a lesson in responsible diving I will never forget. And just real quickly, I mean, you know, go for a second to YouTube. Okay. And uh, type up, you know, the water at Darwin's Arch. Video. Yeah, like uh, I got this one of you know the Darwin's arch collapsing, but if if you look, just look at the video of you know the water just smashing and crashing and and how violent it is. It ain't no joke. It ain't no joke, homie. There's a lot of area for the water to to gain a whole bunch of energy as it moves. unstopped for thousands and thousands of miles right so it just gathers gathering up strength and energy as it moves yeah yeah you got a, a couple of couple of rocks sticking up out of the surface and other than that you got the whole pacific ocean kicking your ass oh yeah if you if you take that environment for granted for literally for one second right yeah, that's a pretty good little video. You can you can get an idea of uh, how rough it can get. Yeah, and he, now he's looking back, and he says, "I was I was shaken by the size of the waves and the powerful surf." And when you're looking at it, like, wow, that is just pounding water, smashing into those rocks. A cold shiver runs up my spine whenever I think about it. No kidding. Um, but I guess many of us, you know, and, and I, 
I can say I, I'm one as well that, that, you know, looking back on the past have made mistakes that luckily uh, I was able to get through. I think that's the big point of what we're trying to do on this show and all these episodes we've done over the years is have a bit of um, that benefit of hindsight right. to, to look back and make a world better for the future divers. Yeah, try, try to re-examine the circumstances that led to an accident in maybe a different way that, you know, like, for example, this article right here, they go on and just say, you know, it was, it was me chasing the shark or me not having a buddy or whatever. Um, when, if you look at it a little closer or from a different angle, it's really the approach to, to diving, the fundamental approach to diving, uh, where that awareness level isn't there when your attention is taken away. Right, because everybody has on these charter boats, liveaboard boats, I mean, virtually all of them have a, you have to dive with a buddy policy. So how did we get through that? You're, you're, the basics of how you learned to dive had a teammate pre-dive check plan mm -hmm. in place for you, but we, we let that go to the wayside. So there's, there's all these decisions that are coming in before just, oh, I saw a shark and lost my buoyancy. That was the problem. Right. All right, everybody. Well, hey, what did you learn about diving from that incident where you were alone and stalked by sharks and pounded against rocks and ocean waves? You got any good stories like that for us? Send us an email, info at thegreatdivepodcast.com, and let us know your stories. Maybe we'll uh, read it on the air one of these days. We'll change your name to protect the innocent. <laughs> We'll insert our names in there. Yeah. Well, well James E. and Brando are making uh, diving history. And most importantly, tip your dive masters. I hope, <laughs> I hope, oh, Harry, I hope, I hope, old Harry left one hell of a tip. Yeah. At that, at, when he got off of that boat. You know what I mean? Yes. That, that dive master in particular. Yeah, he, Got a he few better rounds. have. Yeah, he better have tipped the, the whole crew like you <laughs> should at the end of that trip, and then walked over individually with a with a couple of notes in his hand and did the old slip of a handshake, you know, full of cash because very well deserved. All right, let's sign these logbooks. All right, Jamesy, let's sign them. Brando, you know what the best podcast on the market is <laughs> common sense, sense. <laughs> you and your common sense uh, dear senior big there's now two senior bigs in the water old jamesy and the other senior hey dive safe out there folks adios amigos buenos nachos said that line C can you recall well, that was the george costanza line. it was very good wow <laughs>
That was the whale episode there on Martha's Vineyard or something to that effect. 